Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. And today, we are talking hockey. So you know I've got Mike Barry in the house. We have to talk Boston Bruins as well as NHL playoff hockey with the NHL playoffs now in full swing. We're hoping to get this recorded before the playoffs started, but uh, we ran into some scheduling conflicts, unfortunately. So we will have the unfortunate vantage point of having seen the first game of each series, at least when making our series picks. We'll give our thoughts on what we were thinking going into this, the series, but were our picks, we will have the unfortunate uh, disadvantage, I'll say, of having a game or two in some cases in the already in the books. Mike, how are we doing tonight? Oh, we're doing lovely. It's the best time of year. Playoff Tits. hockey's back. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, through the first two games, the results have not warranted the the joy and excitement <laughs> that usually comes with Boston Bruins hockey in, in playoffs, but. A lot of exciting games so far. Um, we got four games tonight for game twos of series and a whole bunch of exciting game ones uh, to start off. So uh, excited to be back talking hockey, talking playoff hockey, most exciting time of the year, at least for me. Yes, absolutely. I, I would argue, uh, even me being the basketball, baseball, football guy that I am, I would argue that the playoff hockey, NHL playoffs is – pretty much bar none, the best outside of March Madness. March Madness, I think, takes the cream for me, but you cannot go wrong with some playoff chill. That being said, let's get started with our Boston Bruins. The first two games of their series in the first round versus the top seed from the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes are in the books and they went about as well as they did in the regular season. Mike, the, these two teams matched up three times in the regular season, and they had quite the goal differential, and that is putting it mildly. The Hurricanes outscored the Bruins 16-1 to in the regular season, swept the season series, and it has been very little difference here in the postseason. Tonight, as we record... The Hurricanes just took game two by a score of five to two. And it was not a pretty one. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Game one, high hopes coming into the series for sure. But the Bruins dropped the ball on that one too, losing by a decisive five to one, which puts a cumulative score for the season series in the three regular season matchups and two playoff games of 26 to four. Mike Barry, talk to me. What is it about the Carolina Hurricanes that they just own the Boston Bruins this year? Well, I think it just starts off from their defensive structure, right? They play this high pressure system that is reminiscent of a few years back when in the series against the Lightning, the Bruins had where they could not figure out that one, three, one formation where they play a high, uh, a high pressure forward and kind of have a triangle going towards the, the side of the play. But this is kind of like this, this Carolina team is relentless and the Bruins do not have the structure the the roster to deal with the onslaught of the of the five on five play um they don't the the speed of the carolina hurricanes the guys like sveshnikov aho um katka niemi um like those guys they they are just overpowering the, the bruins all up the ice up and down the ice they're playing a 200 foot game the Bruins do not have any space to make any plays. And then you mix in their special teams, which is just unbelievable, especially on the penalty kill where they had a 88% kill rate in the regular season, which is just 
unbelievable. They play this high pressure line. The Bruins cannot figure it out through two games. I don't think they're going to figure it out throughout the series where they have three guys stretched across the blue line and they wait, 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 hold the line. And as soon as the puck crosses the blue line, they attack. And they have one defenseman kind of hanging back to, to cover if, if that if that first forward um, gets through that line. But it's just the Bruins are trying to give it to Parsonak, see if he can dance around the first guy. And then they're not getting any chances. Puck goes the other way, and they start all over again. Um, so it's it's just a tough it's a tough matchup. It's it's you know the 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 Hurricanes are now almost like the the Washington Capitals of of old, where they're just Bruins killers. They can't they can't do anything against them. They you're not going to win series, let alone. Uh, go on a deep run if if you're only scoring one or two goals a game, never having a lead in, in a game uh, throughout the whole entire uh, first two games and throughout the season series. So, um, you know this this matchup is is not ideal and it's looking very bleak going into game three. Yeah, and that is that is uh, might even be an understatement what you're putting it all there. I want to highlight the special teams part. The Bruins going into the playoffs down the stretch of the regular season, just the power play just disappeared. I think they had a 0 for 39 stretch on the power play at one point before they went three for four on the power play the last two games of the regular season. But it was, it was just woeful down the stretch, just ice cold. And now you're seeing the penalty kill, which had been so dang good in the regular season, just not being able to hold up. Now, in game two, there were just so many opportunities for the Hurricanes on power play. This game was sloppy. There were penalties galore, two-man advantages all over the place for the Hurricanes. And we can get into some of the, the nitty-gritties of some of these penalties. But all, all of that aside, it, the special teams, whether it's been that even even strength, the Bruins are just getting completely outplayed across the board right now, except I would say goaltending. I think goaltending has been fairly even. It's just the Bruins blue line and the, the skaters up front have been just letting their goalies down. They've just letting Ulmuk down to the point where he's just being assaulted, basically. And he just he's doing as much as he possibly can. Yes, maybe there's one goal here and there that we're just like, ah, I wish he could have had that. But a lot of these are just not his fault, in my opinion. I would argue he is playing as well as he can given the circumstances. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's The Bruins are coming out hot and heavy to start the game. And I don't know if that is a detriment right now to the series because I think they're burning off a lot of energy in the, in the first bit of the game. And it's, and it's not translating to any scoring chances to get them an early lead to, to get them playing ahead. And then uh, as soon as that kind of first initial wave is over, the Carolina Hurricanes going the other way, they're scoring, uh, they're putting pucks in net and the Bruins are playing on their heels. Um, I thought, Allmark played a little bit more solidly in game two as opposed to game one. Um, the start of game one, the first five, six shots on net, Allmark was giving crazy rebounds. Like it, he did not, he did not look comfortable in that. He, he was given these outrageous rebounds, easy, like shots from the point. He's given up rebounds. Um, I think one of the goals might've been scored off a rebound in game one. Mm -hmm. Um he looked real uh, – it was a tough play in that 2-1-1 goal where he looked very much out of position, but it was a broken play going the other way from a, from a bad pinch from by um, Grislyk, I believe. Um, so he it was a 2-1-1. I don't think uh, the shooter was in a, in a shooting position, and I think um, Allmark was overplaying, overcommitting to that left side, couldn't get post-to-post, -post, pucks in the back of the net. And I think that was at a point where the – the Bruins had Carolina on their heels. They just scored a goal. Taylor Hall ripped one, and then he had a he had another chance where he, he puts it off the post. Could have been two two, but broken play. Puck goes the other way, and it's three one. As easy as that. So, um, in terms of goaltending, 
I don't know. I I don't. I think game two would have been the the game to put Swayman in that. You know, to kind of give the the team a refresh early on in the seat in the series. But I don't know. It, it'll be a tough situation. I, I am fully confident he can handle it if he's if Bruce Cassidy goes ahead and and starts some game three in Boston. But I don't know. Uh, it this series is not going to come down to goaltending. You can't rely on your goaltender to stop 40, 50 pucks a night if you can't put more than two goals in the net in yeah. a game. So, Especially if you're going to give up five. Granted, empty netter at the end. But still, nonetheless, if you're going to give up, if you're going to just be giving five, four or five goals a game, you gotta, you got to at least be within one at the end to give yourself a fighting chance. And the Bruins haven't even been able to do that. I, I want to go back to what you said about not being able to capitalize on opportunities. It seems like the Bruins have had some of those chances early on in games in the first period, say the first 10 minutes or so, first half of the first period, where they've had chances to get on the board first, get strike first and get first blood, if you will, but they just haven't been able to capitalize. And then you see the hurricanes kind of weather the storm and, and get things stabilized and then strike, get on the board first and build a a multi-goal lead that the Bruins just cannot bounce back from. Is that the way you see this, the first two games, how they first two games, Mike, or is it, is it just something else entirely? I don't know. It's the Bruins have played on their heels each of the each game. So they've they've let up a goal first. They're playing on their heels, and it's just not their style of play. They're used to playing ahead, maintaining the lead. Um, you know, it's it's a tough tough thing to see, uh, especially how dominant they were the second half of the year going into the playoffs. Just to see that it just doesn't seem like the the same Bruins team. Ha- going into the playoffs or having that great stretch in the second half of the season is what we see right now. Um, and then, you know, in game two, you, you lose Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm to a big heavy hit. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if he's going to play in game three and that's going to, that's going to add another element to the mix on, on Friday for, for game three. Mm-hmm. And they're not very deep to begin with on the, on the back end and losing, you know, the, Besides McAvoy, top defenseman in a must-win game does not paint the best picture for for Game Three. Mm-hmm. And speaking of those decisions that are going to have to be made, uh, you're you're we we know that the the team broke up the perfection line to kind of try and spark uh, play across those lines instead of having that one just dominant perfection line and hoping to get what you could get from the other's lines. They've kind of spread the wealth to kind of try and jumpstart production from outside of the top line. And it's worked to a degree, but through two playoff games, it is very clear, very abundantly clear that that is not the case with, I think they just got the, the, the top players for the Bruins, Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron, I think they've got, what, two points combined through two games, maybe? I, I know at least halfway through the game, they were sitting at goose eggs across the board with minus, plus minus is obviously very negative. But is I think not only is Bruce Cassidy going to have a goalie decision to make for game three, I think he also may need to consider whether or not it's time to reform the perfection line if that's what it takes to jumpstart the offense for this team. Is that something you think Cassidy should consider? Uh, I don't know. It's tough because, you know, you want to see that that top line again, but you just – if you put that, that line up there, I don't think you have a confident group behind them um, to put points on the board. Um, you have Pasternak coming back from an injury. You have Bergeron. He looked a little, he looked a little shaken up throughout game two today. Um, and Marshan has been snake bitten the last, you know, seven, eight games of the season. He couldn't put the puck in the net if he tried. Um, so I think, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna keep the, the two lines the same and maybe bring some young forwards 
like uh, Mark McLaughlin, someone like that, kind of bolster up the the bottom six. I think those. I think that's where you're going to see some changes um, because, like, outside of the top two lines, the the bottom three just haven't been uh, performing or producing. Aside from you know, uh, they've been plenty visible and after the whistle activities, but that <laughs> that that stuff isn't going to score goals and win you games. Unfortunately, as you know, entertaining as it may be, but you know, the, out of those scrums, you get you get penalties on it. You get on the on the penalty kill and pucks in the back of the net as fast as you can blink. So um, to go back to your question, no, I don't think he's going to change up the lines, the, the top six forwards, bottom six for sure. And then it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the the defense uh, on Friday if Lindholm's out. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. One last thing before we kind of wrap this up, give our picks for the rest of the series, uh, as hopeful as they may be, and move on to kind of discussing the other series across the league. Uh, Marshawn had that little dust up with the Hurricanes goaltender there late in the game, which I'm pretty sure resulted in a penalty and then a result, an, an ensuing power play goal for the Canes. Another one to add to that tally. It, this chippiness, it, it's getting to the point where it's now costing the Bruins in it just across the board, in the scoreboard, uh, forcing them to exert more energy in the defensive zone. What's it going to take for the Bruins to get back into this series, going back to Boston for game three? Well, I think like you kind of touched on there, it starts with not getting, not taking stupid penalties. Like this series alone has just, it's insanity. The stupid penalties the Bruins are taking, the like the penalties in, the, in bad spots they're taking, they're not, not one penalty has been a good penalty. But it's all crap after the whistles, lazy plays, um, you know, if if the ref doesn't see the goalie starting the, the shenanigans with Marshan, Marshan goes to the box for two and it's a five on three. Um, so they kind of got a break there, but I mean, it's just it's like it's almost comparable to a few years back in the NFL when you had so, so many flags and, and the product just was not watchable. It's gotten to that point where like the Bruins can't catch a break. Uh, flow wise and they just as soon as they get something going they take a bad penalty and you know Carolina whoever it may be they're going to come down and score because I don't know their, their penalty kill has just not been where it, where it should be um, so the, the, the stupid penalties to end the regular season the amount of stupid penalties to end the regular season has trickled into the playoffs and I think that's a recipe for disaster and an early exit if, if they don't turn things around in game three. All right. So let's go ahead and make our picks then. Uh, before we do, I do want to get your quick thoughts on how you felt about the series before game one and game two took place. Did you have high hopes for the Bruins? Did you think they could take this series? Uh, what, what, what was going through your mind when the Bruins were locked in to face the Hurricanes upon the conclusion of the regular season? Uh, definitely was not as serious as I wanted in the first round, to be completely honest. They laid three eggs in, in the regular season. Um, Carolina has been solid uh, ever since Rod Brindamore took over as head coach a few years back. And um, I wish I could say I'm an expert in watching Carolina Hurricanes hockey, but if I see if I watched more of their games uh, in the regular season, I would have been even more uh, bleak on the outlook of uh, the Bruins playing them in the first round because that style of hockey is – that style of hockey that Carolina plays is hockey that wins you championships. The high-pressure, high-intensity game all, th- all throughout the game, you know, they're putting pucks in that when they need to. They're, they're – sound on the penalty kill that that is almost reminiscent of how Tampa Bay has won their past two cups solid all around 60 minute game from your goalie all the way up through your through your forwards so um you know I if 
if the Bruins brought their game that got them to the playoffs mid-season, fine and dandy. They can compete with anybody. But now it's just it's not a competitive product they're putting on the ice. And it's unfortunate to say being, you know, bleed black and gold and all that, but it's just real being real. They do not have the competitive advantage at all in this series with how much previous playoff experience they've had. Uh, so bad outlook on, on the Bruins here, but it's a truthful one. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get our series picks in now uh, with the hurricanes up a dominant two zero going back to Boston for game three. Uh, I, I do not have high hopes. Like he said, I do not think that it is going to be an easy turnaround, a quick fix. And I am concerned that they will end up going down three Oh, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they will have muster up enough to take game four and at least force the series back to Carolina. But I think Carolina finishes them off in five. So I I think the Hurricanes will take this one in five, given what I've seen from the first two. Yeah, I'm. Uh, as of now, I'm in agreement. Um, I think I think they might take Game Three, and then maybe Game Four. I mean, best case scenario, you go back to Carolina two two, but I think they're gonna drop at least. I don't know. Eh, they're, they're home. They're coming out into a, I think the uh, weekend series at the Garden. Mm-hmm. That could turn things in their favor, but the crowd can the crowd can't score goals. The crowd can't make players stay out of the box. So it can only help so much. But uh yeah, I'll I'll lock in the hurricanes and five at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the other series in the Bruins quadrant of the Stanley Cup bracket. And that's keeping us in the metropolitan side of things with the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had an amazing marathon, triple overtime game to kickstart their series. I think the shot totals, like shot attempts, not shots on goal, shot attempts was over 200 by the end of this one. I thought I saw the Pittsburgh Penguins had attempted almost 130 shots by the end of this one, which is Personally, I've never seen them really uh, highlight shot attempts. I'm so used to seeing shots on goal, Uh, but the um, just the amount of volume, the amount of pucks that were put on net in some capacity, whether they ended up making it on goal or not, was just insane in this one. Uh, Igor, uh, what's his last name? Shesterin. Shesterkin. Uh, I was super close, super Almost close there. Uh, he's obviously having his Avesna season, probably going to be the favorite to win that as top goalie in the league. And he showed it in game one. I think he had something on the order of 79 saves in game like one. I think, I, I, think he, I think he gave up four goals and 75 shots. So it, it was absurd. It was absolutely an incredible performance uh, on his part, but a slight deflection goal in the waning moments of third overtime gave Pittsburgh the road victory to start that series. A game, mind you, where they're already down. The Penguins are already down their starting goaltender, Tristan Jari. Don't know when he'll be back recovering from a broken foot. Their backup gets hurt and cramps up halfway through. I think it was the second overtime. Yeah, it was like it was early on in in the uh, in the second overtime. Casey the Smith went down with the cramps, and then their third string goalie Louis Domingue comes in and steals the show. It was incredible. I think he had like I don't know seventeen ish saves. Yeah. when he came in to the end of the game. Yeah. He, he stole it for the Penguins, so. Mm-hmm. And that's a third stringer who had been – and I asked a friend of mine who is a longtime Devils fan and who knew all about this 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 guy and said he was a complete crap uh, for the Devils. And to see him come 
cold off the bench in the middle of double overtime and just stonewall the Rangers long enough for the Penguins to put one in that. I mean, that says a lot about him. I'm sure it looks like he's expected to start game two. So we'll see if he can carry over that momentum. But what what are you looking forward to in the remainder of this series? Do you think Pittsburgh stealing the game one on the road is, is going to be a huge factor in this series? Or do you think the Rangers can totally bounce back and be just fine as long as they take game two? I think the Rangers will be all right, especially being at home at Madison Square Garden. Um, that That's a, always a, a tough building to play. Um, but I think the Rangers are about as balanced of a team as you can think of um, with your Vesna favorite uh, in that, Mr. Sturkin. I mean, he is just absolutely incredible. He makes it look easy. They had... Um, they showed him on the camera going into the locker room after like the second overtime. Didn't even look like he was bothering him. Just no sweat, no worries. And a calm, cool, cool, like a goalie like that is going to help you go deep in the playoffs. So um, I think they take game two at home. And then I think the series ends up being a long-ish one. I think this is, a, this is going to be a very um, competitive uh, series. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes six games. Rangers and six. Okay. I, I also agree with you that the series will go six, but I actually like Pittsburgh, given the fact that they have stolen home ice and you can make the case of, will this be the final run for the Penguins core group of Crosby, Malkin, et cetera, et cetera. I, I know they're getting up there in age. Uh, their mainstays will if you will, but they they just looked like a team that was playing desperate in a good way, as if they know it a little bit in the back of their mind, like who knows if this is the last run for, for this unit. So they're not leaving anything to chance, and they're going out there and, and just leaving it all on the ice. And you saw that in game one. Um, you saw it realistically from both teams, given the, the length and duration of the game. But for Pittsburgh to find a way to pull it out, I, I like their chances, uh, even if they were to drop game two in New York. Uh, so let's move on to the other division in the Eastern Conference, and that will be the Atlantic Division. And we'll get going with the top seed, the President Trophy winners, Florida Panthers. They are playing the Washington Capitals. And the Capitals pulled off a little bit of a stunner and stole game one in Florida. Uh, Ovechkin had another 50-goal season. No shocker from him there. But Florida had had just been just a, a juggernaut offensively. And honestly, as a whole across the board, had played very well. They showed a little bit of kind of cracks during the stretch run where they kind of kind of looked uh, unenthusiastic, kind of just, you know, running through, going through the motions because they already had seeding kind of wrapped up. They were had built up such a lead in the division and whatnot. But they dropped game one here. It'll be interesting to see how they respond in game two, knowing that if they let an experienced Capitals group go up 2-0 with two games following in Washington could be could be tough for the, the even the Panthers to bounce back from that. Mike, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, no, it was kind of a, a sleeper game um, for game one. Um, I wasn't expecting Washington to, to pull off the game one victory in, in the fashion that they did. But, yeah, like you said, Florida has been – the top team in the one of the top, if not the top team in the East all season long. So, um, in a packed division where every team finishes the regular season over 100 points, it's not surprising that this series might be the closest. Um, going down, I think this this series ends up going seven games, um, just because of just how each team's the each how each team is built. Um, you know, your, your leaders in Washington with Ovechkin, 
John Carlson. Um, and then you have kind of a reborn Claude Giroux in, um, in Florida. So um, we shall see. But, yeah, if – I mean, I'm thinking it could be a, a seven-game series, but that's dependent on if, if, you know, Florida wins game two and then they go to Washington and, and, and sneak out another one. But it could also go Washington five is as easy as that. So um, – I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with Panthers in six or seven mm-hmm. uh, for that series, but you know watch out for Washington. Um, Ovechkin like he he's in the same boat as Crosby. He's he's got a limited time window left, so um, if if you know they get rolling, they're they're always a scary team to face. So um, and they have that experience to go deep in the playoffs. So if they if they can get out of Florida with a 2-0 lead, watch out for them to, to make a uh, pretty deep run. Mm-hmm. I I think we st- when you're talking about playoff hockey, everyone always kind of talks – something that everyone talks about is the goaltending. Usually, if you've, you've got a hot goaltender, you've got a great chance to go far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The problem with both of these teams was that their goaltending was shaky. At, and very inconsistent at times during the regular season. You look at Sergei Brabowski for the Panthers. He had to work through some injuries last year and this year. And last year's playoffs did not go well for him. And you look at the Capitals, and obviously you're you're looking at uh, Vanasek and Ilyas Samsonov. Not not they they haven't had great seasons themselves either. So it on this this series could be as simple as who who just has the hotter goaltending. And it's an easy, it's an easy kind of X factor to to go to in any hawk playoff hockey series. But I think it's exceptified in this series when you don't have a a goaltender on either side that is really in their stride going into these playoffs. So I think that's gonna be a crucial part. Uh, but I think for me, the difference in the end, especially if this game goes as far, if this series rather goes as long as you say it will, which I, I agree, I think this series will go the distance. I think it is a seven, seven game series, but if it does, I think that favors Washington given their experience as not only as a unit, but just as a whole that they just have years of, of and years of playoff experience on as not only as a team, but just individually across the board on top of the Panthers. And I don't think even with game seven being in Florida, that it, the, the capitals would be overwhelmed by the moment. Whereas I think the Pan, it, the Panthers might cave into that pressure, especially given how last year's playoff run went. So uh, I've got capitals in seven in this one. Let's move on, Mike, to the other matchup in the Atlantic Division. That's the 2-3 matchup. It is the matchup between the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning and the ever-choking, playoff-choking Toronto Maple Leafs. They've split the first two games of their series, Mike, with the Leafs uh, handling the Lightning by a score of five, nothing in the opener only for the Lightning to bounce back and take game two by a score of five to three. So Mike, I'll let you kick this one off. Give me your thoughts on not only the first two games of the series, but what you've kind of seen and what you expect to see going forward. Yeah. So Toronto, I mean, they were, they had a solid regular season. You had Austin Matthews put up ludicrous goals. He put up 60. I think, did he finish with 60 on the nose or 60? I think it was 60. I think he did. But he, he puts up 60 goals and he just made it look easy and too easy in some games. Um, but yeah, first, first game, game one, Toronto came ready to play and Tampa Bay did not. And in a hurry, that game was out of control for Tampa Bay and you know every year the 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 Maple Leafs and their and their fan base they have this 
false sense of hope that <laughs> they start off with. The, the building's absolutely rocking, mm-hmm. loud as loud as you can be. I've been to a game there before, and there's not a lot of place for the for the noise to go. So it's a very tight tight building, but uh, they pack it in, you know. But um, and then um, it only took one game. In game two, they flipped the script, and Toronto's playing on their heels the whole game. Um, Tampa Bay, they in, in their normal fashion, um, they showed Toronto who's boss in game two. Victor Hedman, I think, had three points, scored a goal, two assists. Um, you know, this series, I think, is going to be another long one. Um, you know, I would love to say that Toronto gets out of the first round, but I just <laughs> cannot bring myself to do it. Um, even in a, in a game seven in Toronto, they they have you know they're stupid. They make stupid plays. You know, Tampa Bay's been there before, and they lose game seven in true Toronto Maple Leafs fashion. So that is my prediction for the series. I'm sure you'll have a similar take. I indeed do. It is, I just don't see, unless you are a Leafs fan, how you can truly believe in the Leafs advancing out of the first round until you actually see it happening. They've, they just have blown series leads against the Bruins in two of two very recent postseasons. Uh, two years ago, they did it to, or last year to, was it Montreal? Uh, just, they, they just do not have the confidence in the playoffs. It, it just seems they don't have it. Now, maybe they'll have turned a corner after game one, but with Tampa stealing game two and now having home ice, now the onus is back and the pressure is back on Toronto to now win a game on the road in Tampa in the defending Stanley cup champions arena. And it's not going to be easy because Tampa Bay is ratcheting into form, just like they did last year at just the right time. So I think it's going to be a hard fought series. Like you said, Uh, I mean, the Leafs just have too much offense to not stay in this series until the very end. Uh, so once again, I do have to agree with you that this series, I, I think, will go the distance. I, I've got this one going seven. And on this one, I will also agree with you on the winner. I think once again, as I like to do in a lot of situations, when it comes down to it, you you just got to roll with the more experienced team, the one that's been there and done that in these kind of situations. And Toronto has shown no ability to close out series, let alone win them uh and tampa's won back-to-back cups so if this goes to a game seven i 100 percent am taking the tampa bay lightning to win that one so i will have the lightning in seven as well let's jump on over to the western conference we'll start in the central division and that will have us with the Colorado series first. Uh, They are playing Nashville and game one of this series was ugly. I mean, the, it was being a West coast game. It came on after the ESPN game on at the seven o'clock Eastern hour. And by the time this game actually moved to ESPN, it was already, I think five to nothing, if not six to nothing in favor of Colorado. It was five to nothing after one period. Colorado just came out, punched Nashville in the mouth and Nashville had absolutely no answer whatsoever. Yanked the goalie. Colorado ended up adding another two to the tally and won by a score of seven to two. So Mike, my question for you on this series is this. Can we expect Nashville to bounce back in game two or is game one going to be the story of this entire series with Colorado just punching Nashville right in the mouth, out the gate each game and Nashville just simply not having any sort of firepower to fight back. 
this series has get the broom out all over it. Avalanche in, in four games. Um, you know, I watched a little, uh, like you said, it, the the coverage was after it, but I just it just happened to segue into I'm like, oh my god, it's five nothing. But that team, that Avalanche team, is something else. Um, Nashville just does not belong in that spot. They got into the playoffs with a little help from um, some of the teams in the Western Conference. Uh, they just they don't belong. They it was clear that Colorado with the firepower they have, they just didn't belong. So I think this is an easy decision for me. That I think this is going to be might be the first and only sweep series of the first round. So Avs in four. And it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough road for whoever gets them in the, in the second round. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, Colorado was just phenomenal in the regular season. They were top three in the league in scoring. They were top six in goals against. And on special teams, they weren't too shabby either with a top five power play. Now, obviously, uh, the, the penalty kill for them was left a little bit to be desired, but when you're just phenomenal across the board at everything else, you, you can forgive them for, for slacking just a little bit in one facet of the game. But other than that, they have just been absurdly good across the board. Nazim Kadri, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Kale McCarr, just you name it across the board. The, the avalanche have just been fantastic. And it just seems like, they're just a, a runaway train that nobody is going to be able to stop seemingly in this postseason, right? Or at least you get the sense that it's going to be brutal for at least anyone in the West to be able to slow these guys down. So after seeing game one, uh, yeah, I, I can't even give them a gentleman's sweep for Nashville. I, I, <laughs> I hate, I keep, I hate to keep agreeing with you, Mike, but I mean, Colorado and four just seems inevitable after Nashville just, just had no response whatsoever. Now I will say this to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Nashville does have some firepower on offense. It just didn't show up in game one in any form whatsoever. And they did have stretches of the season where they looked like they were one of the better teams, if not the best team in the league. I think they had a stretch earlier on in the season where they were, were actually sitting atop the, the standings in the league as the calendar flipped to 2022. And that obviously did not hold and they end up floundering into a wild card spot. Uh, but they have shown stretches where they are very capable. They just haven't done it recently. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what matters is what you've done lately especially in the playoffs. So unless they can tap into that early version, early season version of the team, I I don't see how the Predators can really keep it together, especially when their starting goaltender is presumably out for a good chunk, if not the entire series. So I I don't see how the the, the Preds can, can stay in this one. So I agree with you. I'll go Colorado in four. We'll move on to the other series in the central. And this is, this should be a good one. The Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues in the 2-3 here. Uh, These two teams, I believe, have split their first two games. Uh, Actually, never mind. I'm stupid. Uh, They are playing game two as we speak. Good job, Brian. Uh, Way to stay up to date. Uh, Minnesota is giving the Blues the beans. Yes, and that was after the Blues did so in game one blues took game one by a score of four to nothing. But I believe after one, it was three to nothing. Now I'm taking a look at it. The wild are up four nothing on the blues halfway through the second. So it looks like the wild are returning the favor in game one. Looks like we may, maybe I was getting ahead of myself a little bit in saying split. We'll see, but what are, what are your thoughts on this series, Mike? Um, I'm kind of surprised that Minnesota came out and laid an egg in the first game. Uh, they've been so fun to watch. Um, I, got, I watched a lot of them uh, on the West Coast hour um, during the season. 
you know, Kirill Kaprizov. He's just, ever since he came into the league last year, he's been a human highlight reel. So they're fun to watch. Um, been at the, the while going out and getting, you know, a tried and true veteran, future Hall of Fame goalie and Marc-Andre Fleury um, has really shown that that was what they needed um, to maybe make a deep run in the playoffs. Um they're they're a very solid, solidly built team. Um another solid team. So um, you know, they're gonna win game two and they'll go into to St. Louis in a couple of days for game three. Um I think this series um goes five games. I think the wild might might catch fire and they win the next four. I think they might gentlemen sweep the uh the blues. So they just they have the firepower to do it, and uh, we'll see. But it's a, it's a bold prediction. But you got to have one of these series that has a bold prediction. <laughs> There's got to be this one. Mm-hmm. I I think this series is kind of the opposite of the Panthers and the Capitals series, where the goaltending in this series should be exceptional. Uh, you mentioned Mark Andre Fleury being the midseason trade acquisition for the Wild. Cam Talbot was their presumptive starter, and he was solid all season. So they've got two really good options there. And then for the Blues, Billy Huso, ever since he was given the keys to the starting gig, has been very good for the St. Louis Blues. And even Jordan Bington, the guy who led the Blues to a cup run, not too long ago, uh, he's been playing much better of late for them. So very, we should be seeing a lot of good goaltending in this matchup. And we're, we haven't seen it in terms of low-scoring games, but we are, are seeing it in terms of one side just completely pretty much shutting down the other so far through a game and a half. Um, so I think it'll be which, which goalie can stay hot more consistently. And, and which offense can just kind of kind of pick apart and get break down the other goaltender first. Uh, but I, I don't think that's going to happen as quick as you think. So this is another one where I think it's going to go six, maybe seven. I, I, I'm going to go that this will also be another seven game series. I, I think you're going to see a lot of back and forth. I, I think they're going to split the games in St. Louis. They'll probably win each of the two home games, game five and game six, respectively, to force set up that game seven. But I like Minnesota to pull this one out. I, I just think they have a little bit more firepower offensively. Uh, and I know that St. Louis has a little bit more experience, but they don't have as many of the guys from that cup run still on this team. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Minnesota in seven. I think Mark andre Fleury will end up being the difference and pull a massive, massive clutch performance uh, out of the hat in game, a presumptive game seven. And finally, that leaves us with the Pacific division side of the bracket. We'll start with the top seeds here. There, it is the Calgary Flames. They are taking on the Dallas Stars. And game this, this series has gotten just kind of like the Bruins series has gotten real feisty real quick. Uh, They have already had multiple scrums fights, you name it. And it's only, I think they're only one game in. So uh, I know that Calgary took the the opener one, nothing. So a lot of good defense in this one. Uh, What, what do you, what are your thoughts on Calgary and Dallas? Um, I honestly could say I'm this series. I'm not as well versed as in my research as all the other series. Not don't watch too much Dallas Stars, Calgary Flames hockey. But you know, every time Calgary has their games with Edmonton, those games are always like like game one. Everybody just wants to hit each other. Everybody wants to fight each other, and it's fantastic, especially for you know playoff hockey. Um, but Calgary's they got a sneaky deep. Team scoring-wise, led by Johnny Gaudreau, Boston College product. Um, so I think they're, they're posed to go 
pretty deep. Um, you know, they have that balance of scoring and nastiness that, that you need to make a, a decent run. So um, for me, I'll keep it kind of short and sweet. I think Calgary ends up winning this series uh, in five games um, and, they're, and they'll be on to uh, the second round. Mm-hmm. I, I, once again, am in total agreement with you. I also have the flames in five, uh, the, the stars are also just like the predators kind of sneaked into the playoffs with Vegas flaming out towards the end. And the stars are the only team in the postseason that had, I believe a negative goal differential in the regular season. So not, not a great look for a team uh, as they go into the postseason, they kind of, they didn't limp in, but they certainly weren't coming out uh, going. They weren't Haas going down to stretch run, Uh, but looking at their production, Dallas seems to have a similar situation to our Bruins where they've got one really great top line and little to nothing else from in terms of offensive production from the remaining lines. So outside of Sagan, Jamie, Ben uh, it's, it's going to be tough to see where the stars are going to get their goals from out or or outside of the top line in those two. Uh, So I, I just, especially getting shut out in game one, you don't want to harp on the, the first game too, too much and, and be a prisoner of the moment. But Calgary was the much better team throughout the course of the entire regular season. And it just kind of feels like Dallas is lucky just to be here. So I, I, I got to roll with Calgary here. I know that their goaltending has been, uh, has been hit or miss. And, but I think if, if game one is any indication, they should be just fine. So I'll, I'll go Calgary in five with you. And that leaves us with the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Is this going to be finally the, the year where the Oilers and Connor McDavid are finally able to make a run in the Stanley cup playoffs? The, the Oilers had quite the two versions of themselves this year. They, I'm pretty sure they fired their coach roughly halfway through the season or at some point in the season because they were just underperforming across the board. And once they did that, the complete flip of the switch. These guys went nuts, almost won the division. Uh, finishing, I think, what was it, 10 point, no, seven points back of Flames, which looked like it was not going to be the case a couple months into the season. Give me your thoughts on Edmonton and LA, Mike. Well, the, the first game is very entertaining. Uh, it started off with in typical fashion with the, the McDavid show. He gets the puck in the, in the neutral zone, doesn't really have too much in front of him. And all of a sudden two strides, he's gone down, down the wing, cuts in the middle, short side snipe to start the scoring. Um, so that was a, that was a solid goal for McDavid um, to start the, uh, to start his point, to get his points on the board for the playoffs. Um, you know, Edmonton is just so deep. They, they almost remind me of Toronto in how, you know, deep they could be and the potential they have, but I think they're more structured and they have a, and they have a better foundation than Toronto does. Um, granted, they did lose game one. There's only four, three, but I think they get game two tonight um, against the Kings at home. And, you know, if they can get by, if they can get the first round in five or six games against the Kings, I have, you know, I have Edmonton winning in, I'll say six games. I think this is going to be a, a pretty long series, entertaining matchup. The Kings of, you know, they're year in, year out. They're they're usually in the mix. Um, but I, you know, there's got to be a point where this stacked Edmonton roster gets something done in, in terms of playoff wins and playoff series. So 
Um, I have Edmonton in six, which, you know, if all things being equal, they could, if they get matched up with Colorado late in, in, late in the Western Conference playoff, that might be the most entertaining, you might ever, entertaining series you might watch for in a long time. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Quick has had kind of a resurgence this year, and it's been great to see that as he had kind of had a, a down, some down years with the Kings while they were struggling to be competitive. But now he seems to be rejuvenated. The team as a whole is much improved. And even though they are out Drew Doughty for parts of this series, uh, I, I think the Kings will, will be able to compete. Uh, and I think this, this comes down to whether or not Edmonton is ready for the moment and not so much just that it's dude is anyone not named Connor McDavid and uh, dry going to show up and be consistent producers on offense. And can Mike Smith hold his own? He looked great uh, down the stretch, but who knows if that's sustainable? Because again, it's Mike Smith, uh, not exactly a great track record uh, of excellent goaltending. So I think this is a, a toss up of a series. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset here, actually. I, I'm going to go with the LA Kings in six. Going uh, against the spread, I like it. That, that concludes our first round preview. So let's, let's go ahead and just go ahead and pick the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, I'm hoping you have been going along with and keeping track of your picks uh, Mike, as we roll along and have your matchups ready. So in my second round, I've got the Hurricanes and the I've got Hurricanes and I've got the Pittsburgh Penguins playing each other. Uh, I think this should be a pretty good series, uh, but I think this is where Pittsburgh is just going to run into a wagon that is known as the Carolina Hurricanes. And I, I like Hurricanes in six in this one. And in the other Eastern Conference second round matchup, I've got Tampa and Washington. I like the defending champs in five. So give me the lightning to dispatch Ovi and the Capitals in five. Who would you have advancing to the Eastern Conference finals, Mike? But for me, I think I had uh, Panthers beating Washington and then Tampa um, beating Toronto to set up for a battle, a Florida battle in the next round. Um, mm. And then I had Hurricanes beating the Bruins, unfortunately, and then Rangers. So that could be a tough series, uh, Carolina, New York. Um, and I think – um, the goal is going to win them that series. So, you know, give me the Rangers beating the Canes in, you know, five or six games and give me, give me the Panthers to beat the defending cup champions in the, in the same five or six games. So I have Panthers, Rangers, Eastern conference finals. Okay. And then out West, I would have Colorado and Minnesota, which I think would be an outstanding series. And then I'd have Calgary and LA. Uh, I think I would go with Calgary and seven. I think those are two fairly evenly matched up teams. Uh, I'm going to go with the team that's just got the more offensive firepower there, uh, despite the resurgence of Jonathan Quick in net for the Kings. And like I said earlier, Colorado just seems like uh, Goliath with just how dominant they've been. They, they can win in any situation seemingly, whether they're blowing you out and maintaining that dominant lead, winning close games, come from behind wins, you name it. They can do it. So I, I like Colorado to dispatch of Minnesota in six games, setting up a Colorado-Calgary Western Conference final for me. What about you? Ooh. So I had Colorado 
uh, in Minnesota, and basically similar track uh, as you, Colorado getting to the to the Western Conference Final, and then in, in the second round, it's it's got to be the Battle of Alberta with Calgary and the Oilers, <laughs> and that series could be a juggernaut series. Um, that could go seven games, honestly, and then which would set up a dream scenario of Oilers winning, getting to the Western Conference Final, having a great entertaining series with Colorado, but I think Colorado just seals the deal in you know six games against the Oilers and then goes on in the Stanley Cup Final to meet um, the Rangers. I think the Rangers pull it off and, and go and make it to the Stanley Cup. Um, so give me Avalanche Rangers. Mm-hmm. And then who you got? Who you got winning it all? So who do you, so we got the Vesna Trophy finalist and favorite and Shesterkin for the Rangers against the firepower of McKinnon, Landis Cog, and McCarr. Um, I think it's gotta be Colorado. Colorado lifting the Stanley Cup. Your goalie can only take you so far, but when you have that amount of firepower all-around balanced team and the ability to score goals in the big moments. I think it's got to be Colorado this year hosting Lord Stanley's Cup. Hmm. So I would have Carolina and Tampa Bay in my Eastern Conference final. As It's tough as it is for me to pick against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, and maybe this is just from having watched enough Hurricanes hockey in the, in the recent couple of days, as well as seeing highlights of them throughout the season where they just, they just look like maybe this is their year. So I, I think if there's anyone to stop Tampa from reaching the Stanley Cup final yet again, I think it's Carolina, and I think they get it done in six. And then in the Western Conference final, I got Colorado and Calgary. I, I don't think this is where Colorado's run to a potential cup would end. I think Colorado also would get the job done in six. So that would set me up with Carolina and Colorado in the Stanley Cup final. And I am not with you on this one. I oh, think this man. is where Colorado comes up just short. They do not get the job done. Nathan McKinnon unable to do it uh, this year. And I think the Hurricanes, I think they're I think they're the team of destiny. I don't not to say that they're a Cinderella team or anything like that, but I think they're just a team of destiny this year. So give me Carolina in seven over Colorado in my Stanley Cup final. Oh, interesting. I like it. I can see where I can see what's going on with the with the Bruins series now and how Carolina's built to to make a cup run. So I like it. I like the pick, but give me Colorado. Fair. I mean, I think Colorado was a lot of our preseason favorites when we did our, I think so. our preseason picks. I think most of us had Colorado in some form, either in the fi- cup final or winning it. So no surprise that we're still on that train here. Uh, but I think that's going to do it here, Mike, as we wind down. Uh, you got any final thoughts on the NHL regular season, how the playoffs have been so far, what you're looking forward to throughout the remainder of the postseason? Um, you know, if the Bruins season ends this series, I am looking to the complete fire sale that would need to happen in the offseason in the front office. Um, you need a changing of the guard. The Bruins ha- are well behind in adapting to the current style of the NHL. Um, they still have a mix of the old guard, the veterans from the Stanley Cup teams, but they need to adjust. They need to get, they need to have more firepower in the draft, make some more offseason trades. They need to build for speed, not for the for the physical side of the game. So I think, I mean. As Bruins fans, we've been hoping and hoping for that for the past ungodly amount of seasons. But, you know, with the early exit out of the playoff this year, it's warranted and justified. So 
I mean, it's a, it's a cynical viewpoint, but I think one that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping that the Bruins come out just blitzkrieg on all fronts in game three, get on the board first and just flat out punch them in the mouth. And I, I don't, I need more than one punch. I need just either a, a, a one punch KO or just punch after punch after punch. Just they have to just knock Carolina off their proverbial feet. And, and I don't mean that in the sense of just taking senseless pen, penalties, roughing, just getting caught up in the emotions of the game uh, that they kind of did seemingly in t- at times in game two. I need them to just be locked in, ready to go, and execute. And because if they don't, like we said earlier, this 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 series is over. And it it sucks to say that you you don't want to be like that, but there there's no other way to look at it, given how the first two games went and how the five matchups over the course of the entire season have gone. So hopefully the Bruins can turn it around in Game Three and get back into this series. Otherwise. I don't know, but uh, I think that's going to do it here. So for Mike Berry, I'm Ryan Brown, and we will see you next time on Fixin' to Talk Sports.